Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is simple. It's to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I want to address streaming and how price creep is happening with so many of the streaming services. And later, I want to talk about some stuff on the car front, both new and used, because people are like feeling really in a squeeze play when they're looking for a vehicle. Now, it's not the same kind of squeeze play with streaming, but I think about how originally uh, YouTube TV was 30 bucks a month, now it's 65 And you have Sling TV that originally was 20 and now the cheapest version is 35 And service by service, and now Netflix has raised prices again. And Netflix now, the cheapest plan is 10 bucks a month. The most expensive is 20 a month. And if you go way back in time in the Wayback Machine, people expected, hey, Netflix has all this old programming. And isn't it great? We can watch all these old shows for like $4.95 a month, $6.95 a month. But now we're in a whole different game with streaming. And everything is about these big, big behemoths slugging it out with original programming. Do you know there's never been as much video production in the history of video as we have going on right now? I'm talking about going back to movies, the advent of television. I mean, there's... No way anybody could watch all the television, all the video content that's being produced here in the United States and around the world. And it's because the the big owners of these content vehicles, whether it's HBO or the various names of HBO, whether it's Netflix or Amazon Prime or whoever you name, um, I could name so many different ones, Peacock, Peacock uh, yep. all these services. They're all spending absolute fortunes on original content. And the whole idea is you got to come up with something, even if it's five episodes of something, that the buzz starts and people feel like, hey, I, I got to be in on this because everybody's talking about Blah, blah, blah. What is the blah, blah, blah these days? Do you have oh, any There's idea? so many Yellowstone, Succession, um, that, you know, those are just different. The Crown, I love The Crown, Netflix. I love that show. It's so I, very expensive to make. So I don't watch any television. The only thing I ever watch is NFL football. That's it. I'm just football obsessed. Once NFL season's over, I don't watch football again until I watch some of those early college games to get back into it late August, early September, but NFL is my thing. 
And I just, other than that, I don't watch television or video at all. And so for me, this isn't meaningful as part of my life. But for so many people, this is, first of all, it's the golden era to work either in front of or behind the camera because there's never been as many jobs as there are right now. People in the business say that I'm nuts calling it the golden era because the working conditions that a lot of people are under are not great right now in the industry. But somebody's got to pay for all this content. And what's going to happen is until people hit a point where in larger numbers, and it's not like an organized thing, it's just individual decisions people make in the marketplace. When they say, you know, I really like all that, but I won't spend blah, blah, blah per month. That's when the number of productions will uh, decrease, the overall costs of productions will shrink, hopefully, and then the big increases we're seeing will not be there. And they're incremental, to call them big, cumulatively, they're big. Like when you think about me talking about YouTube going from 30 over a number of years to 65, that's a big number. Um, the biggest growth area is going to be in streaming services that are ad-supported that you pay nothing for. If you look on any of the platforms that you get your video content from, whether it's from a smart TV or Roku or whatever, you'll see there's program source after program source, one after another after another, that the content is free and what you're paying for indirectly is your time watching the ads that you cannot skip on a lot of these services. But people are going to have to start, if they're signed up for six services, even if they just love video, they might have to cut back to four or three um, because these costs are going to continue to go up until the content providers meet what economists refer to as price resistance. Right now, because of this, uh, there used to be an expression, they call it must-see TV. As long as each of these content providers are producing shows that people feel like they gotta, gotta, gotta see, then people are going to subscribe and they're going to be able to charge these higher prices. Now, what will happen is if there's a streaming service, there's only one show you really care about, people may subscribe for a month or two or three and discontinue their subscription. So another trend I'm seeing is the content providers are starting to offer annual subscriptions at a lower price than what you effectively pay per month to cut down on the churn of people who sign up for a month or two and go away. So there's going to be a number of strategies involved, but it is true that this is not your normal empty price increase. There really is much more content than we've ever had before. And that's why the bills that we're seeing for these things are going up. And then you can make decisions like with the regular streaming where you choose Hulu Live or you choose YouTube TV or you use Fubal or uh, Philo or um, Sling. I think I mentioned all the majors for the traditional kind of what we used to think of as cable television stuff. You can make choices and go with one 
that has a more limited streamlined kind of thing. If you're not like me and you don't care about sports, I mean, if you're not like obsessed with football, then it's really easy. You can go with Philo or the lower uh, tier of Sling and pay a lot less money per month for your content. I love that tool we have at Clark.com too, because it is confusing. Okay, so the tool is really, really great. It took some serious effort. So you put in your favorite channel, and it'll show you who's the cheapest for your favorite channel. Then you add your next favorite channel, and it'll show you, you know, who's the cheapest still for you to be able to get those two channels. As you go through, you then start having to make that choice. Well, can I really live without my fifth favorite channel? But it's got one, two, through four, and seven and eight, or whatever. Um, doesn't have five or six, let's say. If you can handle that, then we're really going to be able to help you reduce what you pay for that. And then with things like Netflix that have their own content and the back catalog, not the traditional cable kind of stuff, you just got to make a decision what you really, uh, in your busy life, what you can actually afford to have, what you're actually watching. And that's something. Think about, look at your bills. Think about, when's the last time you watched Netflix? Do you know the last time I watched Netflix? When? I can't remember what year. (laughs) I watched it last weekend. (laughs) Because my family watches something on Netflix. And then um, my daughter, uh, my middle child's obsessed with um, something that runs on Hulu. And I just hate spending that money because she's the only one who watches one show on there. There's got to be a better way. Got to be a better way. But with the streams, with limited funds in our lives and limited hours, what the price increases do is they give us that focus and we got to figure out what's the best use of our dollars that we worked hard for, which services do we cast aside? Well, speaking of that, uh, Gary in Alaska wrote to you and said, Clark recommends YouTube TV, but Google seemed to have horrible customer service, making it nearly impossible to contact them. Do you have any advice for overcoming this obstacle? Because I'm reluctant to sign up for it. Yeah. So the streams, because you can cancel any of them pretty much at will. Customer no service is something they've all perfected. Everything is set up for you to do essentially automated. And... As an example, I did a trial recently of Sling to see if I could convince my family to go from YouTube TV at 65 to the blue and orange Sling at 45, I think is what it was, and couldn't get them to adapt. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to have this nightmare canceling it. It was incredibly easy to cancel. So if you actually have to talk to a human at any of the streaming services, uh, you're not going to like your life very much. But there's very few circumstances where you would actually ever really need to talk to a human. And this is from Ken in California. I'm a longtime Amazon Prime member. Recently, I've noticed that shipping times have gone from two days to two weeks for most any Prime item I select. Last week, a friend and I were shopping for the same item on our two computers, and we selected the same one. 
For him, delivery was overnight. For me, two weeks. We live two miles apart in rural Northern California. This makes no sense. I've tried Amazon customer service. I've tried their social media support. No one has any answers besides two-day shipping is once it's pulled. Any suggestions on how to resolve this? Yeah, so Ken, you may remember I told the, the story last fall about ordering something two-day delivery from Amazon, and it took 18 days. And uh, they are having uh, labor issues in various distribution warehouses, like other people are as well. And Amazon is not as reliable as they once were on delivery. And it's so weird because there'll be things that you'll do two-day delivery and they show up in a day. And there'll be other things that are two-day delivery that show up in a week or two. And so there is no clear pattern anymore with Amazon. But my obsession is curbside pickup with uh, stores that have physical stores. I find that generally they're cheaper than Amazon. Uh, You live in a rural area in Northern California, that may not be practical for you, but you may want to look at Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus may end up um, being a better option for you, $98 a year, and you can try it for a month at like $12.95 or something. But with the Walmart Plus, you have access to Walmart's generally lower prices on merchandise, and you're going to see many items are available, typically three-day delivery, and they seem to live up to that. So not two-day like Amazon, but three-day, and that may be a viable test that you could do. Okay, a couple of interesting airline stories. This is from Tim in Virginia. After canceling my trip last year, I had credits from flight reservations with Spirit Airlines, but discovered they had expired on December 31st, 21. I decided to call their customer service, and to my surprise, they were willing to apply an extension of the reservation credits, but I had to call them directly to request it. I think the airline should apply a blanket extension to their customers, but I wanted to share this tip with your listeners to not give up on expired credits and to contact the airline directly. And then this uh, other can one. I, can I respond to that one first, unless it's identical? It's not identical. Okay. So uh, Delta Airlines alone among the airlines just unilaterally extended all their credits that were going to expire And I thought it was a brilliant thing. And they're giving people extra time if you buy a ticket now and you later have to cancel, giving extra time compared to what they were doing to be able to use that money later. And I hope that that sets a trend in the industry. People have had very mixed results doing what you've done. In your case, you were able just with a phone call to get an extension I'll hear from other people with various airlines that they call and ask for extension and they just give them a flat out no. Uh, I'm really glad for you that Spirit came through for you. And you have another Spirit story? From Thomas in Georgia. In August, during Spirit's major meltdown, my eldest son was stranded in Los Angeles. We ultimately booked him on another airline and were able to get him home. We did file and received a refund for the canceled portion, but we were out approximately $250 due to the last-minute flight. After disputing with the credit card company, we received credit for the canceled portion. We ultimately filed a complaint with the DOT. 
the DOT responded and now we're now in contact with Spirit's DOT specialist and they've indicated we may receive a credit for the difference. I just wanted to share with your listeners, I give it a good chance we'll receive it. Most important is that our son made it home safely. Well, I'm so glad and these meltdowns that American Spirit and Southwest, uh, had Southwest uh, those three were so disruptive in people's lives and so many people ended up out of pocket a significant amount of money in the case of southwest i don't know what formula they used but they preemptively sent people who got disrupted assuming they then had to buy tickets on other airlines they sent them vouchers based on some formula i don't know of distance of trip or whatever to use for a one-year period as a way of giving people value without having to give them back cash but in any of these cases when your flight is canceled you are due a full and complete refund of the travel they did not deliver that is the law and not a credit on that airline what southwest did was in addition to the refund if you knew to ask for it in the case of the money people are out of We used to have a law in the United States that when an airline canceled a flight, they were required at their expense to buy you a ticket on another airline. And I think that is a perfect marketplace discipline. And if the Congress actually cared about the American people, they would re-implement that law under the code. It was known as Rule 240. And the advantage of that is it would place clear market discipline on airlines to run reliable schedules now the airline argument and response is no if you do that you know we'd fly unsafe planes because if we were going to have to pay out that money and there was a plane that had a mechanical we just fly it anyway and take a chance on the plane not crashing now that is so irresponsible i can't even begin to tell you and going to A modern version of Rule 240 where an airline with a flight meltdown has to buy you transportation on someone else is the right answer to this. So this is going to seem like I'm a liar. And maybe the marketplace will prove me to be a liar. But wouldn't you like to be able to buy a brand new pickup truck for $20,000? Well, let me tell you something. People are really excited by that possibility. The marketplace is speaking. And also, I have a follow-up on a question we just had recently on the podcast about the problem with headlights blinding you at night. And I've got some good follow-up news for you. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've talked so many times about how expensive new and used vehicles are right now. The average used vehicle in the United States, 29000 Average new vehicle, an unbelievable, based on some estimates, $46,000. Who can afford these vehicles? And in the midst of all this, Ford came out with a sleeper product that is a grand slam home run, the Ford Maverick pickup truck. People are so excited, they can't stand it. And I've not seen one. I keep looking for one on the roads. Haven't seen one yet. But they're designed to be a $20,000 truck. And you read uh, stories in the automotive press from people who have them. They love them, not just because they're inexpensive relative to the marketplace, but they really love the vehicle. And this is such a counterintuitive thing at a time where it was conventional wisdom in the auto market. Let's run the price of vehicles and option them out as high as the sky. The problem with that is the average age of vehicle buyers, of new vehicle buyers, is getting to be older than Methuselah. Because the auto market has outrun the ability for anybody younger to be able to buy a new vehicle unless they just happen to have a job where they make a lot of money people can't buy one or if they do they're taking out these nutso loans so it is a recognition of the long-term strength of the market rather than short-term exploitation of people's wallets to make vehicles that are actually affordable for younger drivers And the Maverick, you know, these uh, American automakers, well, I guess all automakers, except Tesla, do so much uh, focus group testing, market testing, and they knew that with this Maverick, they were making what people really want. Now, the question that comes forward through 22 is, do dealers at Ford mess this up? like dealers messed up the F-150 Lightning by exploiting people and charging these massive markups on the vehicles. And hopefully, the dealers will behave themselves and understand the long-term strategy that Ford is trying to implement, which is to attract a buyer into their first new vehicle as a Ford because whatever people buy first they tend likely, particularly with any truck buyer, they tend to stay loyal in that brand lane for most of their lives. That's why uh, Ford, Chrysler, and GM all continually promote the F-150, the Chevy Silverado, the Dodge Ram, that the idea they're trying to create lifelong loyalty that doesn't exist in SUVs or in passenger cars, but does with pickup trucks. And so I really 
congratulate Ford because this is ultimate enlightened self-interest. This is the greatest kind of capitalism when you don't try to worry about today, but you're trying to plant seeds for the long term and build long-term loyalty. And that's what the Maverick is. It is $9,000 cheaper than the average used vehicle in the United States and it's brand new. So people have responded so much that Ford is shutting the orders off at midnight tonight because they can't fill orders again till sometime in 23. I'd say the American people are looking for more affordable new vehicles. And I want to do a quick follow-up on the headlights. So we had another complaint about how blinding it is at night driving down the road because of the headlight systems we use in the United States. Because in the U.S., we are not allowed to use the world standard headlights that are so cool. Smart headlights, when they see oncoming traffic, they rotate down enough so that the lights don't shine in oncoming traffic's eyes and eliminate a lot of those run-off-the-road accidents that can happen when you're blinded by oncoming traffic, um, eliminates a lot of the collisions with pedestrians and animals that happen because you're blinded by oncoming headlights. And it's just been goofy that we are the only developed country in the world that did not allow smart headlights. But I had no idea till I saw a story in the New York Times that the Congress passed a law mandating that these advanced headlights be available in the United States. And the Society of Automotive Engineers, I think that's what SAE stands for, they have developed a standard for them. Automakers are going to be able to implement them very rapidly. And it means that vehicles on the road are still going to blind us, but that we're going to have, uh, as vehicles turn over over the years and people buy new vehicles, that we're not going to have to worry about the blinding headlights anymore. And if you've not heard me mention the most often given advice for dealing with blinding headlights is you look down and away as you're driving so that you can still kind of see the road in front of you instead of hypnotically looking into those blinding headlights of the approaching traffic. And one other development in the automotive market that I am very excited about is something Toyota is doing first in Great Britain. They are doing something that is just why it hadn't been done before, I don't get. But they are doing a back-to-the-manufacturer refurbishment of used Toyotas. So let's say you have a Camry or a Corolla or a 4Runner or a RAV4, whatever. And it's done, goes back to Toyota at the end of a lease or it's traded in or whatever. It goes back to a Toyota factory and is completely refurbed, not a quick 114 item check to make sure the car is okay to go on the used vehicle lot. No, it is like a complete recycle of that vehicle. And if 
a major part of it is just not good enough anymore, they on the assembly line redo it. And this is great because we have all these vehicles that end up in auto graveyards. And you think about all the sheet metal, all the materials that just rot away. And what Toyota is doing, if it turns out to be cost effective and profitable for them, is a wonderful idea that if it is successful, I hope it spreads around the world because vehicles can stay on the road in theory much longer than they do. So next time you're on an airplane, everybody but you, Krista, (laughs) usually when you first walk in, you look back and there's a legal certificate notice for whoever owns the plane. Often you'll be able to see the date of manufacture of the plane you're flying on. And not a good idea for Krista because Krista's afraid of flying. But I look there and I'm thinking, my goodness, this plane was made in 1982. I mean, that's, uh, how long ago is that? Yeah, I don't don't want to know that. (laughs) And the plane is absolutely fine. I was on a, a plane the other day, a 757, which is a plane that started being manufactured in the early 80s. And the one I was on was made in, I think, 86, 85, 86, I forget. I think it was 86. And so I was doing the math. Isn't that cool that 36 years later, this plane looks brand spanking new and is working just fine because they do refurbishments. They do major, I think they're called D-checks, where they fix everything on the plane like new that needs to be done. And It's funny that we do that in something where we're five miles up in the air, six miles up in the air, and we trust it's going to get us back on the ground just fine. But with vehicles that we drive on the ground, we don't have that same mentality. And I hope that what Toyota is doing is successful. All right. Well, speaking of cars, Adam in Ohio says, I have a truck with about 100,000 miles on it. Ford has a new midsize truck. I assume he means the Maverick. And with used vehicle prices so high right now, does it make sense to trade in my vehicle and come out of pocket for about three to five thousand dollars and have a new vehicle outright? What a what an interesting puzzle. So, the payload capacity would be the question I would have, and how together your current truck is with a hundred thousand miles. If you're good with payload and your vehicle is at a point that you're starting to worry about this, that, or the other, and you can have a brand new one under manufacturer warranty for almost no cost to you because the inflated use values and the deals offered on the Mavericks, if you can really get the deal on the Maverick, go for it. This is from Yvette in Georgia. Do upcoming 3G cellular discontinuation BMW will not have other options for drivers to have access to emergency or navigation systems in their cars. I have a 2015 528i with 3G capability. After February 22nd, I will not have phone, emergency calls, and navigation. All important features to have in your car, especially when you're driving with small children. Please, anything you can do to help with this situation would be greatly appreciated. So I'm really surprised, and BMW has posted, yep, those things just aren't going to work anymore. Uh, Most automakers are offering retrofit at a cost to you, but they're offering a retrofit to typically 
LTE or 5G, and you pay for that conversion so that those functions will continue to operate. This is the same issue we talked about last year with the burglar alarm companies, that many of them were operating on 3G backbones and the 3G being turned off, in most cases, burglar alarms by AT&T, that people had to put in a new card and have a technician visit and all that. And I talked about how with burglar alarms, it was an opportunity to go reshop your alarm service and see if there was a better deal elsewhere because a lot of companies were offering a free conversion to LTE or to 5G if you'd switch your burglar alarm. In the case of a car, you're captive, and I've not seen any third-party conversions for the BMWs that would allow you to have those features. So if you use or know of an independent BMW mechanic or German, there are a lot of German automotive independent mechanics all over the country. See if one of the independent service facilities has the ability to change out the card and put in an LTE or 5G card for you so that you'll continue to have access to those safety features that you want in your BMW. And I'm just really surprised that BMW has not offered this that we were able to find to its customers. And from Casey in Wisconsin, hello, Mr. Howard. I'm Mean Clark. Oh, man, yeah. I have two auto loans, $24,805 with 45 payments remaining at 2.89%. And fifty-eight sixty-five owed with twenty-two payments remaining at two and a half percent. I have the opportunity to borrow against my TSP for the current rate of the G fund at one and a half percent. Is it a wise decision to make the loan and pay off both auto loans at possibly a thirty to thirty-six month repayment window? So, Casey, in your case, you're talking opportunity cost. That if you look historical averages, the money that you would save from what's already relatively low interest rates, 2.49-2.89% on your vehicle loans versus going into a loan against your TSP of 1.5%, the interest rate difference is not enough for the opportunity cost of not having that money invested as you have it now. The G Fund does not pay an enormous amount of interest But I just am not a fan of borrowing against retirement accounts. You have to give me like a really, really rock solid, perfect scenario. Uh, The other question I'd have for you is, are you at an age that you should actually have a lot of money in the G fund anyway, instead of invested in the more... well, he may be invested in it. I think he's saying that the, the borrowing rate is based on the G on fund. On the G fund. Yeah, so you're giving up the opportunity to be invested, which if the market tanks over the next few years, you look brilliant. But there's no way to know that. And the interest rates you have effectively are so favorable in those loans that I don't see a compelling case to be made for making this move. And you make the decision you want, but if you were talking like 7 or 8% on the vehicle loans and you could borrow in an effective 1.5%, there's a lot more argument to be made. But 2.49, 2.89 to 1.5, I don't think that's enough difference. 
And I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Don't forget, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are there with money-saving advice and deals you can trust around the clock.